Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode here on RNFM Radio on the Pulse of Nursing. This is the leading platform for nurses and we are always thrilled to have you tune in for the latest news, trends, hot topics, and wonderful stories with the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. I want to welcome you live tonight. We are coming in on Veterans Day here, at least in the United States, November 11th, 2013. And of course, thank you all to those who serve, have served, or families who are friends who are in the military in some form or fashion. We just want to thank you so much for your service. Welcome. I'm Kevin Ross. I'm here in my studio in Colorado. My fellow co-host Keith Carlson is not with us this evening. Not sure if he'll call in tonight, but he's hanging out on the East Coast doing a little Boston and New York tour there uh, this week. But we've certainly been in touch uh, throughout that process, but hopefully he's getting a little R&R and hanging out with fam and friends. But uh, as always, we will miss him, and I will certainly be back here with him soon enough on our next show. So I won't ask him how things are in his studio, because I know how things are in his studio right now, but again, he's not in it. So as always, I'll go ahead and get in and uh, talk about the... Uh, chatters and callers and tweeters and let you all know that I am hanging out under the hashtag RNFM radio. I will be um, probably a little scarce on Twitter this evening since I'm flying solo. So if you don't see too much hashtag RNFM radio, well, not to worry because I am here live right now. So if you want to find out about RNFM radio, uh, listen to the shows live or archived, you can do that at RNFMradio.com. And that's our website. And it has, it's just chocked full of so much information about the show and, of course, our guests that are on the show because we have so many articles that are written by such a wonderful array of nurses, clinicians, and even non-clinicians on the site. So head on over to rnfmradio.com and you'll find out so much more about us and our community. You can find our shows archived as well, including rnfmradio.com. You can find us on iTunes, and that's under the podcast. And so if you just go there under the search box, just type in RNFM Radio, and you'll find all of our archived uh, shows there. We are, of course, happy to be ProMed Network members, and you can find us over there at promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM Radio. Now, any questions, comments during the day, the evening, uh, any any day, week, month, year, whatever that is, we have a uh, voicemail and texting line for you. So don't worry if you call in. We won't answer because we're probably not by the phone. You can call us at 720-466-3022, and we'd be happy to bring any feedback, questions, comments, or anything on the show that you would like. So feel free to leave us a message or uh, send us a text, and we'd love to bring that on the show or just communicate with you, and we appreciate that. Now, as always, I like to give a shout-out about the studio call-in number because we are live this evening, and we are always welcome and open to have callers on the show. And you can do that if you call in at 347-308-8064. And, of course, I will announce that number throughout the show if I remember, which uh, I do tend to remember and then quickly forget. So I apologize for that rnfmradio.com, you can find out all those details and know how to get in touch with us and stay in touch with us. Now, of course, without further ado, I have a wonderful guest this evening, and Keith usually introduces our guests, but I am going to run with that this evening, and I appreciate that opportunity because we've had a moment to chat with each other in the studio, and I think you are going to 
love the guest this evening, Mary Ellen McDonald. She has been involved with palliative care since 1982. She's worked in all sectors of health care, including hospital, community health, and long-term care. And in 2009, she achieved national certification for hospice palliative care in her native Canada. Now, of course, she says it's a little chilly up there, so um, hopefully she'll stay warm through the interview, and I'm sure she will because all the community out there will give her a warm welcome. Now, since her uh, conversion to uh, Catholicism in 89, Mary Ellen has served as a uh, Eucharistic minister and is a member of the Catholic Women's League Caring and Sharing Group. She is also an associate of the Sisters of St. Joseph's. Professionally, she is a member of the College of Nurses of Ontario, Sarnia Lambton Palliative Care Association, Save Palliative Care, the End of Life Network, and the Bereavement Network. It is Mary Ellen's, Mary Ellen's personal experience with loss that complements her knowledge and understanding of the challenges of grief. She recently self-published a book entitled Grief Till Now, documenting the losses in her life and allowing the reader to reflect on their own grief and loss. Mary Ellen is married with two married daughters and four grandchildren. I'm just going to leave it at that because you know what? I'm going to bring Mary Ellen on and she's going to be able to elaborate further on her story. And of course, without further ado, here we are. Mary Ellen, welcome to RNFM Radio. Kevin, thank you so much for having me on your show this evening. It's a real privilege and honor and I look forward to this time of dialoguing with you. Well, I appreciate that, Mary Ellen. And again, Keith and I always say that it is our pleasure because we are just the gracious hosts and we have such fantastic guests that have such wonderful stories and experience, and we just want to share that with the community. So thank you, Mary Ellen. And of course, please, in any way, feel free to start us on this journey this evening here with you and elaborate further on who you are and what you do. Well, um, Kevin, I've been a nurse for 41 years, and I have evolved over that time and developed the art form of nursing within myself um, as I have continued to work with um, many people and in, in a variety of settings, as you alluded to in our discussion. Um, as as healthcare moved on um, over the past four decades, um, I branched out and decided to um, become a bereavement counselor. I guess it, I considered as, as a result of all the irritations of my life that perhaps this was the pearl which, which I could bring to people. And um, it, it is probably a, a natural gift that ha I have been blessed with. Um, Wow. Well, and a natural gift um, certainly is appreciated, and I can certainly speak from experience on that. Now, I'll, of course, share some personal stories of my own. Maybe you and I can dialogue about that. But, but certainly, um, I would love for us to continue on this journey to certainly elaborate on how you got to where you are and certainly any stories that you have that you want to share with our community uh, again and certainly flesh all of this out. So I am, I'm already... Uh, engaged here because again I, I certainly have my own personal experience um, with grief just as you do so I am looking forward to sharing at least my own personal journey if that's okay with you. Oh sounds wonderful 
Sounds wonderful. Well, besides my nursing um, and my development through the palliative care process, um, I decided that I was going to explore becoming a pastoral chaplain. And that training really um, helped me develop in great strides in being able to be present to the wounded. Um, and during that formation period, um, I learned about reflective listening as a method to allow a person to share their story without me getting in the way. So it was about, you know, tell me what your grief is like for you um, versus this is what grief should be. And it, it was just a totally different approach. And, and the experience that I gained through that time, uh, one was in, in Windsor, Ontario, which isn't, oh, it's about two hours from Sarnia, close to the Detroit area, which you might be familiar with. And at that point, I did 400 hours of service um, in the emergency department and on the cancer unit. In the emergency department, I was summoned every time there was a sudden death, and um, oftentimes it was motor vehicle collisions that brought uh, people in who had died as a result of that accident. And on the cancer unit, I was given a large repertoire of experience from the time of diagnosis for many of the people right through to the time that others died. And that was an experience uh, with them as well as with many family members. So it was very rich and um, very healing for myself because um, the themes were very much uh, resonated with um, some of the stories of my life. Um, mm. For the additional 400 hours, I worked at a St. Thomas psychiatric facility, which is oh, just south of London, Ontario. <clears throat> and at that uh, facility, I spent 400 hours working on um, an intake unit where women from Lambton County were uh, brought uh, with a variety of diagnoses related to mental health issues. And again, um, I think it took me about a year to recover from that experience and a lot of therapy because <laughs> I was just so sensitive that the energy just um, just seemed to... Um, penetrate or I picked up on it let's put it that way but again the awakenings that I had as a result of that experience was was something that you just don't get because I was really seeing people at their most vulnerable times of their life right well that's well no Marianne I'm Mary Ellen I'm so glad that you shared that um, because we do uh, like to hear because I guess it, it really makes us feel uh, similar, human, like we're human beings, like we have some sort of collective uh, experience or thoughts here, because you said this really hit you, maybe not necessarily hit you hard, but you, it, it was harder for you, and, and you said that you needed your own therapy to work through this after that rotation. Is that, that's, that's correct? That's, that's correct. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I think that makes us, at least for me clinically, it makes me feel better knowing that I have a, another professional out there who too has, again, experienced it to a level 
that it, it almost, whether it hits home or however you want to describe it, or it really just kind of tugs at those heartstrings because, again, we try to turn it on and off as, as we nurses tend to do, or we try to or compartmentalize things so that we can get through our shifts. But ultimately, that buildup um, isn't healthy because if we keep continuing to compartmentalize it and not deal with it, then, then obviously it's not good for us emotionally or physically. So I'm no, glad to hear... Oh, sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say I'm glad to hear that you at least pursued your own self-care, health, and wellness to at least break all that out for yourself or break that down, rather. Well, and I think that's important for all nurses um, to always be continuing providing themselves with self-care. And it's only when they do their own personal growth work that they're able to uh, venture closer to the bedside and to the patient. So you mm-hmm. only can – go ahead. No, no, well, no, no, you're right, you're right. Um, and, and I didn't mean to cut you off because, Mary Ellen, what I also wanted to talk about, because you talk about the bedside, and I loved what you said earlier on about being present. I love that because – and then also there's another thing that you talked about, what grief should be. But I want to talk about being present for a moment because when I worked at Johns Hopkins in the um, surgical ICU, we had very sick patients, transplant patients, and things could go – uh, in a way that we weren't hoping they were going in very quickly. And we tried to, to make certain that the families were at least involved or present um, during care and rounds and things like that. And something could change at any moment and the family could be in the room. And rather pulling them out, we, we tried to have them be present as they could be. But it certainly was nice to have someone like yourself there because I'll tell you what, as the clinician at the bedside, you really get caught up in all the noise of everything, the mm-hmm. orders that are that you're going through. Everything's getting shout. You know, you shout out this, like this med, start this mm-hmm. drip. You know, do this, and you know what what are the vent settings and things like that. And we want to be able to communicate to our families and let them know. But for the most, like right then and there, we're just in that moment and, and sort of captured in the noise. And I'll tell you what, it certainly is nice to have someone like yourself be present. Uh, for the family, at least in a catastrophic event like that. And you talked about, of course, the motor vehicle uh, accidents as well in the ER. So I I just applaud that because it's such a needed um, service for families and and for us, quite frankly, for us as clinicians. Well, I think the more we can support the, the, the person providing the care as well as the family, the better the emotional outcomes uh, may be. I say maybe because there's no guarantees, mm-hmm. but at least when, you know, you're able to journey with them through that, they don't feel alone. And because they're not alone, you know, they can be cued as to, you know, now is a good time to say to them whatever. Um, if you have any final comments you want them to hear from you, now is a good time to say goodbye, but sort of guiding them through that whole process. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think, and, and you know, like that's only instrumentation on my part. It's, you know, I'm, I basically am emptying myself and allowing, you know, a power greater than myself to, to work with these people. Right, right. I, I, I would agree. Now, Mary Ellen, one one thing, and I I said this too about what grief should be. Do you think, in your opinion, does that create stress for us as a whole because of what we do think grief should be, and 
and from my own personal experience uh, on, on both sides, as a clinician and, of course, as someone who uh, I lost my mother this year. And oh. so I, I was wondering what your feelings are on that when you said about what grief should be because I almost feel like that can create an obstacle for people to reach out because they don't feel the way they're supposed to, as they put it, or this is not how I thought it was going to be. These are just statements that I hear as a clinician. And, sure, and, you know, sure. I, and, and you just sort of like put it in your mind, like, I know this is how I'm going to feel. And then when it happens, you're like, wait a minute, I don't feel that way. Mm. So could well, you elaborate on it, that a little bit more? Yeah, I think it's important to, to know that everybody's experience of grief is different. And so that's why it's better. Tell me how your grief is. But a preamble to some education <clears throat> around grief um, I think it's helpful, and I don't think we do enough of it. You know, like there could be a variety of feelings, thoughts, feelings that you may have around this loss that you have had. But um, um, knowing that some of those may be part of the repertoire or at least have the person open to the fact that you might be feeling all kinds of things as the energy of all the thoughts and feelings that you had about it go in sort of reverse and is moved out of your body. And um, mm-hmm. that can be very frightening if you really don't have the education as to know what is normal. And that was basically my experience when um, um, in the early 70s, um, so I was in my 20s, um, I my mother, who actually it's the anniversary tonight of her death in a motor vehicle collision. And um, at that time, you know, there was no forewarning as to what I might experience. Um, I was concerned um, as I was a clinician. I was nursing in Kingston at the time. And I thought, you know, what do I need to do to move through this loss or to be healthy and I went to a doctor at that time and this is basically just a sign of the times at that point in time and I think I hope we've moved it on since then but basically I was told well the most important thing you can do is one keep working take Valium so you can sleep and three don't get pregnant to replace your mother and that was that was it, and I had no ideas about grief bursts, you know, what would trigger this massive emotions that came from the very depths of my being, and um, or the somatic symptoms that my body would generate uh, when I failed to express my emotions because of the sudden nature of, of that incident. Um, you know, when we heard the news, what did we do or what did I do? Um, I basically took a deep breath in and went into a holding pattern. So mm. um, I I think that we have moved past that, but um, I'm not so sure that we've really grown com- as much as we could because um, from my experience, there are many people that go through funerals in Canada, but not everyone is exposed to um, someone sitting down with them and educating them on, 
you know, it's important that you eat and that you sleep. Grief takes a lot of work. Um, You may not feel like eating, but, you know, be open to people bringing you food and to trying to eat when you can. Eat small meals six times a day. Gather rest as you're able throughout the day. Don't worry should you not be able to sleep at night. You know, for the, the, the first little while, that's quite normal for many people. And as long as you're getting rest, you will be fine. Um, journal. Right from day one, from the time, you know, you have had a, um, an illness in the family to the death in a family, journal. Put your thoughts and feelings on paper, and, and that will help move energy. Um, when you think that you're never going to stop crying, know that you will only cry much like a storm. It will only rain as much as it is able to rain, as, and likewise, you will only cry that much. Um, try laughter for a little bit. Maybe that will help endorphins. Just have a lot in your toolbox. And I don't know that we get that out there. Um, I think we could get it out more to people Mm -hmm. so that they have the tools to work with and that they can learn that, you know, grief is really just a uh, very much a normal part of life. You know, it doesn't have to be a physical loss. It can be the loss of hopes and dreams, the loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a marriage, loss of a pet. Um, there is loss of physical function as we age. Um, all of that can be um, generate grief. And I, I think that if we learn at a young age how normal it is, then we can also um, have the awareness of how, um, how your body will respond uh, generally in these situations. Um, to know that for as much you will grieve as intensely as you have loved the person that um, has, has died. Knowing just mm-hmm. those, some of those things can very well um, make the process it may make it a little bit easier. I guess just in dialoguing with people, I would learn that. Um, many people find that kind of stuff helpful because it's not something that culturally often do we talk about because so many of us were raised with just keep on working, keep a stiff upper lip, and life will go on and you'll get over this. And right. unfortunately, and unfortunately, because that the grief um, is not or the mourning process is blocked, so often we get people who, you know, a couple of months or a couple of years after a spouse has died, they die of a broken heart or they, they have a heart attack. And, and, you know, the body does not lie. The body speaks as to what the discomfort is. Um, if if it is not dealt with, I believe on a cellular level, the whole structure of our bodies change and and we end up in a disease situation. I think there's a lot of prevention that we could can put into um, into and educating people 
um, and starting with children into, you know, allowing them to have their feelings and to allow them to express that energy in a form that they find works for them. I couldn't agree more with that, Mary Ellen, because my three boys, so essentially my mother was living with us and she was in hospice in our home. And so my, my boys hadn't had a lot of contact with their grandmother because she was back in Virginia and we're here in Colorado and she had moved out for about the last year and a half of her life. And so at that point, they at least got to know her a little bit better. Um, there were some unfortunate instances in this. You know, I know that my mom wanted to do more with them physically, as grandmothers do. Um, but ultimately, for her, you know, she, she grieved about that, about loss of her physical ability to do these things while she was still yes. here with us. But my kiddos, <clears throat> quite frankly, and I tried to tell her this, but I, but I knew it was harder for her here, really just having her present was enough for them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't as if they had experiences with her where she would run around the yard and play ball and things like that. They didn't have that memory of her um, and then her losing that ability. But I know that she wanted so badly to do that. But for them, when their grandmother did pass, I just allowed them to feel what it, ever, what it is that they felt. I told them what had happened. They knew that she had passed away. We talked about it just a little bit. Now, of course, my kiddos are young, five. Uh, my middle kiddo, my youngest is five. My middle kiddo just turned seven this past week. And then, of course, my older uh, kiddo is eight, all boys. And I just allowed them to feel what it is that they felt, to express what they wanted to express. And, you know, I didn't get upset of, of things that they said. They might have joked about something or they might say, oh, so we can go, you know, they might, they might have said it initially like, oh, so we can go downstairs and we don't have to be too quiet. Uh, when they went down to play, you know, because they liked, she was downstairs, and so, and they liked to play, but be near her, but they also were very careful of, you know, her sleeping and not, you know, disturbing her and things like that. Um, so some of those were the initial thoughts, and then some of the things that they said that they said that they would miss her, um, and so it was just a variety of emotions for them. But I didn't expect them to grieve in any way. Like, I didn't think it was disrespectful if they didn't cry immediately or, or feel depressed or whatever that was. I mean, maybe to them it was just how they felt at the moment. I mean, maybe it was depression, but it was, you know, in, in a child's mind, you know, how they, right. how they processed it and dealt, and dealt mm-hmm. with it. So, you know, I didn't have any clear expectations of them. I just wanted to make sure that they had an opportunity to talk to me and ask me any questions as a nurse about what That's happened right. to their grandmother. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that dialogue is, is, is so important. If you're fortunate in a family where there is that open discussion, I think that whole journey is so much better versus other families that are closed and we just, it's not talked about. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, the, the whole... Um, maintaining memories of your mom and their grandma, um, I would sense probably is something that you do. Um, where other families, it's like the person, it's like the elephant in the room. You'll hear people say they just don't talk mm-hmm. about it. They don't. They don't keep right. her memories alive by sharing the um, the good stories. Or you know, I, I think you know what. 
we don't want to put them on a pedestal because, you know, everyone generally is human. So everybody sort of comes with that package of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it's nice to have that rounded pictures of um, of people as they share stories. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, I just... I was glad to be able to do that for my kiddos. But I, I do have to thank the, the hospice team was just wonderful. And oh, my wife was just amazing um, through the process. Because as nurses, as you know, we, we put everything, we put ourselves, like all of ourselves into what it is that we're doing. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to being a caregiver for our family members. Mm-hmm. And I tried very hard um, to keep the finger on my own pulse, so to speak, I, my wife Katie and I, we try to at least attend to some self-care needs like bringing someone in, uh, especially as it got harder physically. Um, yeah. When I, I had to, I, I actually had to physically carry her a lot. Um, she was yeah. small. She was a small woman, um, only about 80 pounds at one point. That was at the most during her hospice was around 80 pounds and got down to even lower than that. But I know that for, for my wife and I and for my family, I needed to be as present as I could. So I still would drop kiddos off at school. I would still pick them up. Um, my wife and I would have date nights. I brought in someone outside of you know the hospice care team to so that my wife and I could at least go out. And that was even toward, toward the end, like the last few weeks of her life here. And I knew that that was what was happening. Um, but, it was, but it was thanks to my wife to allow me that or to at least reiterate to me, like, you know, you're always talking about self-care, so we just need to make sure that you're doing that for you. Because when it became the last few days were hard because I had to physically, I stayed up with her almost around the clock. I had nursing care coming in and out, but I knew that I only had a, a very short, maybe anywhere from 24 to 72 hours of time with her. So I kind of built myself up in a self-care sense, um, mm-hmm. getting ready for that moment so that I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't like that the whole time. Mm-hmm. But so I, again, I hear that you you were you um, certainly tried to balance the whole situation between being the role of nurse, but also being the role of son. And oh yeah, I and think, it's challenging. It's so well, hard. It's, you know, in this particular case, you know, I would I would say, you know. Um, allow yourself to be the son. You don't have to be the nurse, but also understanding the American model, I think if there is any of that expertise within the family unit, you may see it more often used than maybe that um, is used here in Canada. You know, we still get involved, but I know for myself, um, I I keep reminding myself, no, in this case, I am the daughter. In this case, Mm -hmm. I'm the niece. And so to allow myself the permission to go through the process that way without all the high expectations of, and also having to be the nurse, even though a part of me doesn't let it go. Right. Well, and for me personally, I just needed some normalcy in my life. So I, I own several um, businesses, and I extricated myself from some fairly busy projects that we were working on, but I at least had my hand in a few things just so that I could feel still connected with my life outside yeah. of being, you know, her son. And really, I mean, it, to me, I, it seemed like her primary caregiver, uh, even though, like I said, I had a, a core team in place, case management, nursing, CNAs, 
and the like. Um, but I know that you know part of it too, and I think that was a hard part too from from my wife's standpoint is that I think she knew that my mom had moved out here because I was going to end up caring for her quite mm. frankly and and so I did um, for the last year and a half i t- I took care of her um, and then again, when she was in hospice for a few months that 's when it really and she moved into into our home for the last few months. that was mm-hmm. the hardest, but again. I did. I tried my best. And, and I'm not saying I was perfect, but no. certainly having someone like yourself <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. to talk to through the process, even before that, like the grieving big begins, even before end of life, like end of life hadn't happened. She's still here, but I'm grieving already. Yeah, the so, anticipatory grief. Mm-hmm, right, right. Um, and and it never it, it never happens the way you think it does. I, I that's what I can tell people. At least for, in my experience, like you think in your head like how you're going to feel and what's going to happen. And I know for me, it didn't happen the way I thought it was in my head. Um, mm-hmm. At least initially, initially. And sometimes the grieving process, especially for me, like a month, two months go by, and then all of a sudden, like I got hit like a freight train. I'm like, oh wow, overwhelmed. Like months later. I can certainly so. relate to that. Um, I know uh, when mom died, I get into my, without the uniform, looking after everybody else at the funeral. And, you know, the hostess was the mostest. And then about, right. th- the, about three months later, just out of the blue, this cloud burst. And, you know, I think I cried for probably four or five hours nonstop. And, um, you know, like, where did this all come from? But, um, you know, I was still young, and I've learned that um, how important it is, you know, not to um, maybe have a few more uh, tears in my life or find ways to move that energy out in different ways. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh, I like that. I like that moving the energy out in different ways. I can I mm-hmm. I visualize that when you just said that. Mm-hmm. Um because I almost felt like that personally how I I had energy moving in and out. So mm-hmm. it was almost like I I allowed myself, okay, and, and again, what grief should be. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready mm-hmm. to grieve, you know, mm-hmm. at, at that moment. <laughs> okay, because uh, she's out of the house now. I'm not caretaking. I've, I'm I'm going to go ahead and lay down, and I know it's going to like hit me all of a sudden, and it didn't. But I know that there was some energy flowing in and out. So I don't know what I I, I might have been purging some compartmentalized feelings or bringing some other things in or being reconnected with my world. Um, and so and and I try to stay active, run or bike or you know just get involved in outdoors and things like that. So yeah. But I was like, uh, okay, I'm ready, and it just. Yeah. It doesn't, for me, it didn't happen like that. It, it was when I wasn't necessarily ready or expecting it is when that happened to me. So it sounds similar to, to what you were saying, too. Yeah, so when you least expect, all of a sudden there'll be a grief burst. And and um, sometimes it's it's not sort of in the nice, tidy spot. Um, I can remember the first Mother's Day and standing in front of Hallmark's cards um, still needing to pick up a card for my mother-in-law. And so I'm reading all these cards and, uh, well, just a huge grief burst. And I thought to myself, how embarrassing is this? And one, I 
didn't completely understand the normalcy of it. You know, I thought I could be a little bit more neat and tidy than to be, you know, blubbering in the middle of a mall. But mm-hmm. it it really just happens when it does. Right, it does, it does. Well, Mary Ellen, gosh, we've talked so long about this, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Grief till now. I mentioned it much <laughs> earlier on in the show, yes. but this show's about you, and we need to talk about that. And, of course, obviously, I, I want to certainly let all of our listeners out there know that um, Mary Ellen does have a website. I will tweet that out on Twitter, um, it, but it is – now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, It's newdaysarnia.com, and that would be N-E-W-D-A-Y. Oh, 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 you just want them to go so at gmail.com. So that would be um, uh, newday – now, is it dot sarnia at gmail.com? That's the email. That's the okay, email that's g- different. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I will tweet that out to all of our listeners and community members out there um, to let them know how to get in touch with you and to stay in touch with you. But let's talk – I know you've talked a lot about it already as far as um, outside of the box here, but let's bring it back to Grief Till Now and, of course, Mm -hmm. talking about the impetus of that book, what is in that book, what what can we uh, get from that book, how can we get that book, and all of anything in between that you want to talk about that book. Okay, so how did this book come to be? Well, a number of people said to me, why don't you tell people who you are? And so I reflected on that, and then as I became a bereavement counselor, um, I thought, well, what a better way to help um, validate what I do is to say, well, I've also done my own, my own uh, work And so I decided that I would um, write this book and I would illustrate it with my watercolors. And um, after each chapter, I left pages so that as people read my story, what comes up for them or what resonates with them, they are able to journal. Also in the book, there are some scriptural passages that I found most helpful as I did um, some of my grief work. And um, there is a list of different strategies. I think I tried the gamut because of uh, traumatic um, loss. Um, You know, when you can't say goodbye, to someone, it takes you. It took me a long time of saying goodbye um, before I, I seem to be able to move through that. So I have a whole list of strategies that people may find useful in their journey. I think it's important. Um, body work, I think, is really important because you know our bodies don't lie, and uh, we can very much get into holding patterns and. Um, I found my lungs seemed to take a hit, and um, I needed to do some work in that area, and actually I, all this bubbling in my chest stopped once I got rid of that holding pattern or that tendency towards the holding pattern. So the book evolved, and um, um, I had the whole experience of uh, self-publishing and um, having someone um, edit the book for me. And um, um, it's now been out about uh, three years. 
and mm-hmm. um, it sells for uh, $20, uh, then plus shipping and handling if it's going to um, out of country, um, out of province, whatever. And um, it's, it's doing actually quite well, and it has touched a number of lives. Um, it's, um, there are some copies in the United States. There are some copies um, in a number of provinces. And um, I gave a number of books to local funeral homes in order that um, it is one resource that someone might find helpful. It's not a right. long read. It's not a long read because people that are grieving, uh, really short, short, snatchy things, um, they seem to be able to focus on because concentration can sometimes be a, a problem when you're when you are grieving. Um, it was a, a lot of hard work and uh, putting it together and. Um, my standard joke is, is, is this all your life is about? And I, I say back to people, well, my second book will be Joy Till Now. And so, you know, I will be able to um, express the, the celebratory uh, moments in my life that um, have more than balanced um, the pain and sorrow that I've also, um, that has also been part of my journey. Right, right. I talk about well, um, my, my turning to Catholicism and, and how the um, the Virgin Mary um, provided me much to hang on to the mother of all when um, mom died. And, of course, that was a long time later that I, I converted. But um, sometimes it takes that long. I, you know, I had to burn out before I was ready to do the grief work. Right. Well, and I'm glad you segued into that because, Mary Ellen, I wanted to at least elaborate on the uh, Catholicism and and how that how that came about. And and certainly, I appreciate you at least touching on that. And, and feel free to flesh that out further if you'd like. Um, but but again, this book sounds. I want to say this. Just I, I agree with you when it comes to grieving. And of course, as a caregiver myself. I appreciated the things that I read. I mean, you don't have to necessarily give me a pamphlet, but I'm also not necessarily looking to or have the energy to devour a three, 400-page book about uh, death and dying or loss and grieving and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate from a personal experience having those snippets uh, for us um, as, as going through loss to be able to... Um, connect with that in some way or at least have that feel like we have that energy to uh, look into that a little bit further sharing stories and experiences and giving us the tools because again we're so inundated and so enveloped by you know the noise of this or uh, the noise of that or whatever it is that we're trying to balance which is pretty much everything Uh, it seems like we're all trying to balance these like saucers spinning on at the end of sticks and whatnot when it comes to the physical uh, demands of our own bodies, the bodies of those we're taking care of, and then the family members and their emotions that we're all just trying to juggle all at once. So I certainly appreciate um, what you said about that when it comes to the writing style and how that's all laid out in your book. So and I think everybody else would appreciate that too. Thank you. Um, now, Marilyn, I, 
I, I did want to ask you, though, because you said that you have uh, – so your book is for sale. It's $20, and mm-hmm. I, I just uh, tweeted out on Twitter. A lot of our folks actually follow us on Twitter, but we'll certainly post it. We'll continue to post on our Facebook pages and, ran, and all of our social media platforms just so that folks can get in touch with you. But have you partnered or worked with – hospice centers in your area because I find that your book, again, as we talked about how it's uh, very informative, but it's it's an easy read, it's visual, and I just would find this so helpful in my own experience clinically and personally um, if a hospice care center would were to give me a book like that um, to to read at my leisure. Uh, but but certainly have some kind of frame of reference and what to expect. And um, ha- so have you, again, I guess they, we, we'd like to know the answer. Do you partner with those types of agencies and they, do they well, give those books try to, to. We certainly mm-hmm. try to partner with them. And, um, you know, there's been um, a great movement here in Canada for the hospice palliative care movement. And, and there's been the development of a lot of hospices across the province. Um, locally, um, they have developed um, uh, support groups for people who are run by volunteers who have had loss as experiences, and they have developed programs that way. Um, so they they keep our names there, and um, they will call... Or you know, the client or the person who is seeking services may call us, but um, you know we are fee for service, and mm-hmm. hospice does not charge uh, for the support groups. Um, I guess the government provides some funding for that, and um, um, and they do have a copy of my book there that I understand is kept in the waiting room. And so, you know, if people are sitting there or um, the lounge area, I should call it, um, they do have that opportunity to read it. Um, so that's rather where it's at at this point in time. We we try to partner. We try to um, maintain relationships with that movement. And um, many people say, you know, you really should be part of hospice. Why aren't you part of hospice? And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can only put yourself out there, and um, um, that doesn't seem to be a door that has opened for me, um, and that's okay uh, because many other doors have opened. And uh, so, you know, one really doesn't know what the, the road is going to be only as we go along it. Right, right. Well, and I I know there's some barriers to break through, uh, Mary Ellen. We've often talked about it, and uh, death and dying and traumatic experiences and grieving process uh, and all of that in between isn't necessarily a – doesn't have necessarily pizzazz or a nice ring to it. So it's much harder, I think, to get some buy-in. But my goodness, what a tremendous service that you provide, not only your book, but you, of course, being present. And speaking of being present, I did want to mention this. Um, you talked about, of course, the, the counseling and the grieving process and, and working with families. Now, you mentioned to me, now, of course, in Canada, 
you work with people, if you can't be physically present with them there, you remotely work with them via Skype, and you said you're now getting started with FaceTime, FaceTime. for counseling? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And okay. um, I've had some, you know, some requests for that um, from, like, parole officers that, you know, have um, people that they're working with who have some uh, grief issues and but really aren't comfortable being in the room with a counselor. And so there, there's an opportunity um, that, um, you know, to continue to work with them and uh, meet their needs. And, you know, sometimes not, not everyone has uh, transportation readily available or the funds for. So um, they may be able to come to an office and use that equipment with the FaceTime. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's lots of possibilities out there. Well, uh, yeah, Mary Ellen, I mean, it seems like, uh, at least here in the United States, I'm not sure of the statistics in Canada, but uh, it seems like regardless, now, of course, I I know there's quite a few outliers from a socioeconomic status here, but um, Mm -hmm. for the most part, (laughs) most of us here have a smartphone, some type of computer with a webcam built into it, internet, Um, Mm -hmm. and even in this country, we have, uh, I know here in Colorado they have services for families who don't have that type of equipment. There are computers that are donated, and there's also, yeah. they also donate high-speed Internet here mm-hmm. for free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in certain areas. And so my point being is that it's so fantastic that we have that accessibility, especially as people don't either physically can't get out to talk to you um, or or maybe don't want to and feel like, okay, well, I still want to have that connection uh, mm-hmm. and be able to talk through all of this, but I just don't feel comfortable enough maybe being in the same room with this person. So yep. that's like maybe the next best thing or something like that. But certainly that's it's right. great for the, that you're being And it may be even just them. a starting point. You know, they may start right. there, and then maybe eventually they, they move to a point of um, – you know, being in the same room. But again, it would be individual, but at least it's available for that group that that um, are not necessarily able or comfortable with um, meeting in that space. Right. Well, that, again, I, I just applaud your efforts, um, especially to be so flexible, uh, to be accessible for those people who need you the most. And just yeah, again, I, I like I like how you broke that down to say that it, it's a potentially a, a starting point for someone. Maybe, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. they're just not there yet to come see you in the mm-hmm. office, but they can start with that. So fantastic, my applause. And of course, if you haven't listened to the show, I'm a heavy technological guru, uh, oh, geek, good. nerd, whatever you want to call me. So I love technology and how we can actually implement it so that it's not taking away from our clients or patients that we're working with, but actually reconnecting us with them. And right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that. So that certainly quenches my thirst from a technology standpoint. Mm. So... Um, uh, certainly uh, a win there. Now, of course, I want to make sure that we are working on a lot of these talking points that we had discussed earlier, and I want to make sure that the conversation is going how you'd like it, uh, because we did talk a little bit about grief till now and getting yourself out there and what it has to offer. Um, is there anything that you 
we haven't discussed tonight, because I know you had a lot to talk about, but I wanted to make sure that we have talked about what it is that you need to talk about this evening. And I've enjoyed our conversation. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it as well, Kevin. I think it's important because we are into November. Um, just to add a few thoughts around the upcoming holidays, and I know in the States you're getting ready for um, Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. it's not too far, um, a few weeks later it's Christmas, and, and that can be really um, a horrible time for someone who um, – is grieving whatever at that point in time. Um, the absence of someone at the table, um, maybe it's the um, financial status of someone, and with some of the economic downturns, you know, not everyone is able maybe to travel home for the holidays, or um, and that can be a grief um, connected with that. I think it's just important if you are grieving to give yourself permission to check in with yourself. You know, you'll have your journal going and checking in the morning and at night. And, you know, how am I feeling? What are my thoughts and feelings right at this point in time? What is my body saying? And then go on with the day and do what you, you can do. Um, and choose what you want to do or feel you can do, but don't miss the present. Because if, you know, you allow yourself to, you know, spend the whole day isolated and grieving, which is a personal choice, I think you can miss the support of family and friends that you could continue to have at that that time. Um, um, so become aware, if it's not your first loss, you know, be mindful of triggers that may set you off. So, you know, don't necessarily do the, the family tradition in exactly the same way. Um, just make it a little easier on yourself and those around you. Say, if you can, these are the needs that I'll have. Or if you know someone at the table is going to be grieving, you know, and make it, you know, like say, okay, for the, you know, first five minutes, let's everyone go around the table and and say one special memory about so and so and light a candle. That it will probably be one of the greatest gifts that you can give that person on that day. And it doesn't keep the death of that person, the elephant in the room, and people will all become a little bit more comfortable. Um, Attend a blue Christmas service. That um, can be helpful. Um, A number of churches in our area get together and provide that. And it is for people who have experienced a loss, and they will there's a connection there within the community that they really aren't alone. They're not the only one that is um, having thoughts and feelings um, around the holidays or the anxieties associated with it. So I well, just part of what to... you do, well, no, I was going to say, Mary Ellen, you adapt uh, to the, the need um, of that particular, whoever your audience is, because you give talks, correct? Yes, I um, do. Yeah. We, we didn't talk so much about that, and of course, you're a speaker and you're you're an educator in the clinical settings. So I certainly wanted to make sure that we 
uh, touched on that so that our community knows about that. Yes, and I, I do do trauma counseling as well. For given or, There's a given organization that does send me clients that um, are uh, facing uh, um, like terminations of jobs, the losses associated with that, um, anything related to trauma. They, they will contact me and I will respond and uh, um, make it, be present to those people to try and um, make the transition to whatever that trauma has been a little bit more bearable and for them to be educated as to how, what they may notice um, happening in their bodies. Right. Yeah, because loss can come in any way. You know, as you said, in the loss of a job, I mean, think about it like this for all of our listeners out there. Um, you know, so you could lose a loved one. And, of mm-hmm. course, you think, okay, well, I'm a spouse. I, I identify myself as a husband or wife. Mm-hmm. But losing a job, you identify yourself for however many years you're like an accountant or mm-hmm. uh, a police officer or whatever mm-hmm. career that you have, and you lose that job, you feel like you lose a part of yourself, a part of mm-hmm. you has died in some mm-hmm. sense. So, yeah, loss comes in so many ways. So many different ways. And that's why they say, you know, be, be gentle with the person that you 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 meet because you really don't know what cross they're carrying at that particular time. Uh, one in four people at any one time is grieving some loss. So, right. you know, there's that whole thing of just being a little gentler with each other. Right. Well, and I appreciate what you had to say, Mary Ellen, about, especially with the holidays coming up, because I know for my mother, Christmas was the most important holiday to her. It meant so much. And I know it was very nostalgic for her. She thought about when she was a child. And, of course, when I was a kiddo, I'm the only child. And it was so much to her uh, Mm -hmm. to be there, just the two of us. It was just the two of us. And she just loved the holidays. And, quite frankly, I kind of joke because she couldn't stand the cold. Um, And so I I felt like she – Christmas got her through at least the chilly season of where she was, but then after that it was like, oh, goodness, it was an uphill battle for a few months to get her to spring. She couldn't, but but I will say, I, I will, uh, I know there will be some new traditions in my home, uh, and there might be some old tradition that I might do. I, I haven't really given it much thought, but something that I used to do with my mother, I might have to go out and do, and and whether that be closure or just some sort of connection, uh, rite of passage. I don't know what it will be, but I have thought, you know, the holidays are coming up, and I just I knew for her the woman just lived Christmas. I mean, for months. She just loved it. So mm. I, I know that uh, I will want to at least celebrate that um, and just be in that moment, whatever that is. So yep, you'll find that I, ritual. I appreciate those thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I appreciate that. And um, and again, I did uh, send out the contact information for you on Twitter. And again, I want to make sure that we've got this. It is newday.sarnia, S-A-R-I-A, mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Is that correct? And, and so then they can find your book. Yep. They can get in touch with you on how to purchase the book get to know you a little bit better, and certainly you said you're on FaceTime and Skype as you're trying to become more present uh, virtually, that is, in Canada. Now, um, 
or and I appreciate I didn't mean to cut you off on some of your wrapping uh, or wrap up there as far as any statements that you had for all of us because you sound like you have such a wealth of information in this conversation I really feel like this has been wonderful for me and I know it's not about me it's about our community and just sort of connecting with what it is that you do and and we certainly appreciate you being a part of our RNFM radio family do you have oh, any well, last I, I, well, I was going to say any la- sure, sure I just have to say thank you so much again for dialoguing with me I feel like I have kind of got to know you. I, I can envision mm-hmm. you just on the other side of the table. And uh, you have certainly um, facilitated this um, show tonight very well, and I most appreciative of the support that um, um, RNFM Radio um, has been able to provide me. So it's all about getting the word out and, um, you know, um, I think that's that's happening tonight, and so I say thank you. Well, most definitely, Mary Ellen. And what we'll do, again, once I get off of this uh, show, we'll start tweeting things out further and putting it on Facebook and getting you out there. Like I said, when Keith and I do the show together, he's on Twitter, and we take turns, and we you know push stuff out there. But unfortunately, I'm flying solo tonight. But I'm not. I'm with you, Mary Ellen. And that's I've right. really enjoyed the conversation. I really have. Well, thank you. Um, almost almost in a selfish way. I feel like I have you to myself tonight, and I was able to just sort of share my personal experiences. Um, and I know Keith certainly missed uh, a great opportunity, but he'll, he'll listen to the archive show, and we'll have him back sure. here. Well, Mary Ellen, when the – so Grief Till Now, we will tweet mm-hmm. that out, and we certainly encourage our listeners to uh, reach out to Mary Ellen McDonald to – um, get a copy of Grief Till Now, wonderful read, and again, it is. Um, I love the way that it's laid out, and I know our listeners will too, and we will then expect to hear more about the joy, and certainly love to have you back on the show uh, sometime here in the near future and talk about the joy uh, in, in your life now. So, Thank you so much. Well, Mary... Well, thank you. And Mary Ellen, please get back and stay warm there because I know it's a little uh, chilly up there. (laughs) But we'll be sending warm thoughts your way, and you certainly have a wonderful holiday uh, as it's coming up around here, and certainly enjoy the rest of 2013 as we head into 2014, and hopefully big things for you continue to be there for you in 2014. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary Ellen. We'll chat soon, I'm sure. All right. I'm sure we will. Have a good night. Okay, you as well. Good night. Bye for now. Thanks. All right. Well, everyone, yeah, so that was Mary Ellen McDonald, and she is a grief specialist, again, author of Grief Till Now, professional speaker, writer, author, nurse, and does bereavement counseling, and a pastor. I mean, what a dynamic uh, background that she has. What a pedigree there. Quite frankly, I'm a little taken aback by her presence. And such a warm uh, honor and welcome, or just just to welcome her here on the show. And I just enjoyed myself. And so, Keith, sorry you missed it, uh, but you won't because I know you'll listen to the archive show. But but certainly glad that you're getting a little R&R out there on the East Coast and spending some time with the family. And I certainly enjoyed myself here tonight with Mary Ellen, and I hope you do too whenever you're going to be listening to us. And speaking of episodes, now, of course, we are 
pretty much getting smack dab in the middle here of uh, November, and we're rounding the corner here into the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, and so we will not be having any shows. But what do we have coming up? Well, I'm going to tell you what we have coming up. So tonight we did have Mary Ellen McDonald, specialist, um, and of course, she, again, is author of Grief Till Now. And again, thank you so much, Mary Ellen, for being on the show tonight. Up next on November 18th, uh, we have Janet Fontana, mind, body, health expert. And uh, to round it out in the month of November, we have a guest who was on the show before, Laurel Lewis, hospice and death professional, meaning hospice and palliative, uh, during this hospice and palliative care month. And of course, when we talk about death professional, we're talking about someone who, in fact, is a professional and expert in the area of hospice, grieving, death and dying, and everything in between. And we will have her on the show. We were going to have her on the show this week, but unfortunately, since Keith, well, not unfortunately, but Keith really wanted to be here with Laurel, and I know he did because I love that show as well. So she's going to be hanging out with us November 20th on Wednesday afternoon, and that is at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And again, Laurel, looking forward to that, having you back here. And we'll talk about her more in the upcoming uh, shows here. And again, I think it looks like we only have two more shows this month. And then we are going to be out of November and into December. And I know you don't want to hear that from me. I know you're like, no, 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 please, please. Everybody's like plugging their ears or they're like uh, tuning out because they don't want to hear about me closing out November and into December, especially around the holidays, because it's just a lot of hustle and bustle, uh, especially uh, with families and kiddos and everything in between. Now, uh, as Mary Ellen did say, and I too will take this advice from her, the holidays are around the corner for me. This will be my first year, uh, my first Thanksgiving without my mother, the first Christmas, and especially Christmas was so, it just meant so much to her. It really did. And the woman literally had her entire house decked with winter wonderland. I think it took her um, especially because she was not as able-bodied as most of us are, or many of us are, rather. She, it probably took her a good several weeks and maybe even a month like for her to decorate the house. And I think she probably kept her decorations up even a month after Christmas, and she just literally loved it. The woman had more decorations uh, when everything was boxed up than she did clothes or anything else. I mean, she just exuded Christmas. So I certainly will miss her this year, but I will start new traditions, I will remember old traditions, and certainly remember her around the holidays and do something special um, for her, at least in her memory, and uh, probably for myself as well. So I don't know what that'll be, but I'll figure it out. But anyway, Mary Ellen, I do appreciate those words of wisdom. And you too out there, if you have um, experienced loss of any kind, like I said, it's not just loss of life, but a relationship, a, a pet, or a job, or a move, or whatever. These things can be traumatic. Emotionally, uh, they can be draining, and that can translate to physical manifestation and not feeling good physically. And again, as Mary Ellen talked about this evening, she wasn't, you know, her pulmonary status wasn't good. So it really does take a toll on us physically if we don't address the emotional aspects of this. So again, take her advice, take my advice, take all of our advice here. Self-care is key, and don't compartmentalize that stuff too long 
because it will wear down on you physically and me or mentally and physically. And I'll just leave it at that. She was just so elegant when she said that. And again, Mary Ellen, I appreciate that. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap the show up tonight. Keith, miss you, buddy, but look forward to having you back here on RNM, uh, RNFM next week. So as always, to all the listeners, community members out there, for hanging out with us live tonight or whatever you are, whenever you're listening to our show archived on rnfmradio.com. We hope that you in some way felt uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves the needle for you. Innovate and create. Find passion in your life and your career each and every day. And as always, most importantly, care for yourself while caring for others, and we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM radio.